You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. (laughs) What's up, Christ Walk Church? How is everybody doing today? So, so good to see you guys. So good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I'm excited about this week. I'm excited about Thanksgiving. I'm excited about eating some really good things with my family. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I was talking with some people earlier, Chris being one of them, and he said there was a group chat, a group text that they had with his family. I hope I'm not stealing his thunder, but I thought it was too good not to share. And they were all commenting the question at at hand was, what's everybody bringing for Thanksgiving? And he said, my maternity pants. And I was like, I'm stealing that. I'm bringing my maternity pants. Some of y'all will get that on the drive home. Um, That's okay. That's okay. Hey, uh, today we are in part two of a series called Stretch, where, speaking of maternity pants, um, (laughs) Part two of us here is called Stretch, where we're taking a a look at a handful of situations in the scriptures where people or individuals stretched themselves in some capacity and what the end result of that was. And this series is actually piggybacking off of uh, part of the message from Vision Sunday a few weeks ago, where we talked about the prophet Elisha and how um, the, the Shunammite woman's son had passed away. And uh, Elisha went into the upper room and he stretched himself out on the boy, aligning um, his eyes with the boy's eyes, his mouth with the boy's mouth, and his hands with the boy's hands. And the Bible says that as he did that, the boy became warm and he started to breathe again and he returned back to life. And I'm believing that as you and I choose to stretch in different areas of our lives, that God is going to respond in kind by giving us a new vision, a new voice, and a new vitality. And last week in part one of this series, we talked about Moses leading the people of Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea and how that what we often see as opposition, God sees as opportunity. And so if you missed that message or you missed the message from Vision Sunday, um, I would highly encourage you to go back and watch Um, on our YouTube channel or listen along on our podcast. And while you're there, you can subscribe to those channels so that you don't miss future messages. But uh, today, if you got your Bible um, or you got a smart device, I want to invite you to turn with me or swipe with me to to the New Testament. Um, We're going to be in the second gospel. Um, So that's the second book of the New Testament. The Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to be in the Gospel of Mark today. We call those first four books of the New Testament the Gospels because gospel literally means good news. And the reason those four books in particular are good news is because they tell us specifically about the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be in the second one of those Gospels, Mark chapter 3. We're going to land there in just a minute. For the next uh, few moments today, I want to talk to you um, about speaking differently in your life by allowing God to give you a new voice, to give you a new voice. 
Um, I can remember, some of you have heard me talk about this before. I can remember as a kid, um, my parents had an oil painting done of me. Yes, I'm an only child. Yes, that probably answers a lot of questions for some people that weren't in on that up until now. And you're like, oh, we get it. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was of me at nine years old. Um, I was wearing a, uh, a light blue um, sport coat and some navy slacks and uh, wearing a tie. I was sitting uh, cross-legged very regally in um, a dusty mauve crushed velvet wingback chair. <laughs> There's a ficus tree over in the corner. Um, and uh, for the longest time in my parents' house, it hung over the mantle. And uh, yeah. And, and when I was little, I didn't really care all that much, mostly because I didn't know any better. But then I got older, and friends started coming over to the house, and things got a little weird. And then I got to the age where I started dating. And so I would bring girls home, and let's just put it this way. Nothing says, hey, you want to smooch, quite like my nine-year-old self in a light blue blazer hanging over the mantle. Like, at no point did any girl I brought home on a date uh, look at that and say, kiss me now or lose me forever. You know, most of them are like, I got to get out of this place. I don't know what's happening. And so that leads me to the question this morning, has there ever been anything in your life that you just wanted to hold back or hide from everyone else? Anything? Like, like maybe it was the time that you got that bad haircut, and so you wore a baseball cap or a hoodie to school the next day, and the teacher was trying to get you to take it off, or your friends were picking at you or whatever, and, and finally you had to relent, and then everybody saw the butcher job that someone had done on you, and they all laughed. Or, or maybe it was the time that you woke up with the big zit on your forehead, and you snuck into your mom's makeup drawer, you know, to cover it up a little bit. Some of y'all act like you don't know what I'm talking about. You've done it. You know you have. Um, maybe you're embarrassed by the fact uh, that once upon a time you had to have extra tutoring in math and you, you lied to your friends to cover it up. You were like, no, it's, I'm, I'm doing something. It's a special assignment from the principal. That's why I stay after school every day. Um, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe someone else was chosen for the promotion at work and you didn't get it. And so like, you act like you didn't really even want it anyways, you know, ah, you know, who needs a promotion? Who needs that extra $10,000 a year? You know, nobody, I didn't want that anyways. Or, or maybe, maybe it's, it's a, a secret struggle or a sin that, that you're caught up in. You just can't seem to overcome. Maybe it, it's an addiction to pornography or substance abuse or gambling. Maybe it's sexual promiscuity in some capacity, and you're terrified what might happen if your parents or your spouse or your pastor, the people in your life group, what if they found out it's that thing that you're just trying to hide, you're trying to cover up, that you don't want anybody to know about. Here's what I found to be true about stuff like that. The stuff that we cover up is the stuff that has control over us. The things that we try to hide are the things that hold us 
hostage in our own lives. And our enemy, the devil, he will use the stuff that we cover up in our lives to label us. To put a label on us. And the Bible actually refers to the devil as our accuser because he's constantly making accusations toward us. He's constantly pointing the finger. He's, he's telling God, hey, look at that person. And he's pointing his finger at us about those labels that he's trying to place on us, about the hidden things, the things that we try to cover up in our lives. Because here's the deal. The devil, he wants to identify us by our issues. The devil wants to identify us by our issues. And because of the guilt and the shame that is associated with a lot of those issues, that becomes the label that we then live under. The good news is, though, that you are not the first person to ever feel like this. You're not the first person that's ever tried to cover up the undesirable parts of your life. You're not the first person that the devil has ever tried to identify by their issue. In Mark chapter 3, um, we're introduced to somebody who no doubt fits the description for what we are talking about this morning. So um, you've turned there, you've swiped there. We're going to start with verse 1. We're going to work our way through um, verse 5 systematically this morning. But starting in verse 1, it says, Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Now, it's interesting to me that here right off the bat that, that we're introduced to this character in Scripture, but we don't know his name. We just know his issue, his infirmity. The Bible says that, that he was a man with a deformed hand. Deformed means misshapen, disfigured, a, a change of form resulting in a loss of beauty. Perhaps your translation says something like a withered hand, which means to be shriveled or full of decay or, or perhaps even crippled which is impaired or flawed. And, and whatever translation, whatever adjective is used there to describe this man's hand, the truth was is that, that in this man's life, as a result of this infirmity, there, that, that, that there was no real life taking place there, that there was something that was incomplete, that, that in some capacity he was lacking wholeness or the ability to function at 100%. And this man's disability or his, his issue, it would have impaired his ability to work and thus to be able to provide for his family. It's a big deal in this culture and even bigger deal in the, that culture uh, that would be represented by this time period and, and this place in the world. And as a result of this, there was no doubt that he was ridiculed. No doubt that he was ostracized. No doubt that he was made fun of. This man with this deformed hand. His disability had become his identity and it would have been something that he would have desperately tried to hide. I imagine it going this way. Um, two men in the square on their way to the synagogue. One looks at the other and says, hey, have you seen Bob lately? The other guy says, who? Oh, you know, 
the guy with the deformed hand. Oh, his name's Bob? I never knew that. No, I haven't seen him. You can identify with that. We can all identify with that sort of thing because at one point or another, we have believed the lie of the enemy and we've allowed our issue to become our identity, to become the label that we live under, to become the moniker that we adopt. And, and if we listen to that voice long enough, what happens is, is it's not only the thing that we hear, it's the thing that we start to say about ourselves. We'll say phrases like, I'm so stupid. Gosh, why'd you do that? That's so stupid. Or I am so fat. Or I'm so ugly. Or I will never get married. I'll never be able to get healthy. I'm never going to pass this class. I'm never going to graduate. I'm never going to move forward in my job. I'm never going to get over this addiction. I'm so this, I'm so that, and as a result, I will never be fill in the blank with whatever it is that you've bought into, the lie that you've bought into, and the things that you've spoken about your own life. But I can't help but wonder this morning, what if you and I, what if instead of buying into those lies, and what if instead of communicating things that way, what if we decided to change the narrative? What if instead of believing and speaking those lies, we were given a new voice, and we started to use different language about ourselves instead. And, and I believe that that is what God is, is wanting to do here today in, in someone's life, perhaps many people's lives. We continue reading in Mark chapter three, picking up with verse two, it says, since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Now, I want you to put yourself in this guy's shoes for a minute if you can. Your one goal in life is to keep hidden from everyone else around you. Like, you just want to go about your day-to-day, -day. you just want to blend in, you just want to hope that nobody pays any attention to you whatsoever, that you just kind of like, you just go with the flow, and you're just one of the crowd, and you're just there, and it's fine if nobody recognizes you, speaks to you, because you don't want to, to create a scene, you don't want any attention being directed your way at all whatsoever, and so you go out of your way to be sure that happens, that no attention is directed to yourself, let alone your disability. And then what does Jesus do? Jesus says, hey, you, come up here in front of everyone so that I can put you on display for all to see. And see, this, this reveals an important principle to us is that if, if we're ever going to get over 
that thing that we're desperately trying to cover up, that thing that we're desperately trying to overcome in our life, if we ever want to change the narrative, that the first thing that we're going to have to do is we're going to have to expose it. Because as long as it remains in the dark... That's where it's going to be. It's always just going to be there hiding and, and lurking. But, but maybe you're taking notes, write this down. The first thing, if we're going to change the narrative in our life, if, if we're going to no longer be identified by our issue, the first thing we're going to have to do is to expose it to the people around us. James 5.16, the, the brother of Jesus in, in, in his book, in, in chapter 5, verse 16, he writes this. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that God can heal you. James doesn't say confess your sins to God. He says confess your sins one to another. Get the stuff that you're dealing with, get it out in the open with some other brothers and sisters. You need to, you need to bring it up. You need to, you need to talk about it because here's the deal. We, we, we got to shed light on the issue and get it out in the open. James says that, that if we confess our sins to each other and pray for each other, that then God will heal us. Do you see how that works together? That we confess our sins one to another and then God provides the healing. Because the truth is, is that God can't heal what we continue to hide. God can't heal the things that we continue to hide. But, but once you get something out in the open, it no longer has the power to destroy you anymore. It's no longer lurking in the shadows. It's, it's out there on the table for all of the world to see. And that's where God can begin to move. It's important for us to get it out in the open because as long as it's hidden, then God can't heal it. And the things that are left in the dark are the things that can destroy us. It's like getting up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. You know where I'm going. You don't want to disturb anybody. You don't want to turn on any lights because you're hoping that you're going to get right back in the bed and go to sleep. You think you know where all the furniture in your bedroom is located. <laughs> you think you know it well enough that you can even not even open your eyes and that you can just stay half asleep and make it all the way to the toilet and back until that one morning early around 3.15 that little pinky toe on your right foot catches the corner of that bookcase that you thought was about two inches to the left. And then all of a sudden, you and everyone in your household and even some of the neighbors next door are awake. But if the light was on and if our eyes were opened, there's a good chance that we would have been able to avoid that catastrophe. Proverbs 4, 18 and 19 says, the way of a good person is like the light of dawn, growing brighter and brighter until full daylight. But the wicked walk around in the dark. They can't even see what makes them stumble. 
Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is like a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. So these are, these are contrasting. The, the wicked, they, they keep things in the dark and, and they're unable to see what makes them stumble. But when we get in God's word and, and we open it up and we, we allow his word to illuminate our lives, it shows us the hazards that are in front of us so that, that we can walk in, in the ways of righteousness and that we're no longer going to trip and stumble and catch our pinky toe on the corner of the bookshelf in the middle of the night. So we've got to ask ourselves, is is the life that we're living, the lifestyle that we're operating by, is it in line with and in keeping with the scriptures? Because when we allow the scriptures to shine in our hearts and in our lives, it's going to point out the areas that we've gotten off course. Some of you already know where those places are. Some of you already know those those issues, those those insecurities, those things that you're hiding behind and that you want to keep covered up. Some of you need to you need to uh, as soon as this service is over today, as soon as opportunity provides itself, you need to go and find somebody godly in your life that you trust. Maybe it's your serve team leader or someone in your life group. Maybe it's a trusted friend, whatever that looks like, and and you need to confess the thing that you've been hiding. You need to confess the struggle that you have been wrestling with. You need to come clean. You need, you need to talk about that stuff and go ahead and get it out in the open and, and, and release that burden that you have been carrying so that God can begin to provide the healing for it. We pick back up in, in verse 4 of Mark chapter 3. It says, Then he turned to his critics and asked, this is Jesus, he turned to his critics and asked, he says, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. Verse 5, he he looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand or stretch out your hand. And so the man held out his hand, and it was restored. The man held out his hand, and it was restored. You and I, we we all have a choice. We all have a choice. We can either hold on to our issue, or we can hold out our issue. That's the choice that we have. Jesus commanded the man to hold out the thing that he had been holding back. Hold out the thing that he had been hiding. The the part of his life that was it was embarrassing, was broken, was messed up, it was lifeless. And notice the order in which the things happened. The man held out his hand, and then it was healed. Jesus, he could have done it the other way. He could have healed the man's hand and then said, now hold it out. But instead, Jesus said, hold out your hand. And when that man responded in faith, that's when his hand was healed. See, obedience is the catalyst by which we overcome those issues in our life. It's not always going to happen behind closed doors and and victory and freedom come about in our prayer closet. It's, It's going to be about us walking out 
in faithful obedience with, with authenticity and, and, and in the reality of the struggle and the, the stuff that we're dealing with. And, and I'm not saying that we have to like vomit everything up on people and that we have to like air our junk like dirty laundry out to the world around us. But there, there needs to be people that know. There needs to be people that, that we're coming alongside and that we're, that we're bringing stuff up into the light so that God can do his healing work. And so if, if, if we're going to be obedient to hold it out, then, then God's going to heal it. And that's often the way that it works in that order. That first we hold it out, and then God heals it. Vanessa, can you come here for a second? I'm totally putting her on the spot. She had no idea I was going to do this. How much do you love your pastor on a scale of 1 to 10? 10, man, the correct answer was 11, but that's okay, that's okay, we'll let it slide. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much would you like $20 right now? An 11, an 11. All right, do, do you believe that I have $20 in my pocket that I would give to you? If you wanted... <laughs> If you wanted that $20 that may or may not be in my pocket, what would you do in order to receive it? <laughs> if I was going to give that, if I was going to put it into your hand, what kind of posture would you have to take? You have to hold out your hand, right? <laughs> hold out your hand. And when you hold out your hand, there's $20 gets put into it. See, if, if you never held out your hand, then I could have never put the $20 in it, right? Right? Now take that and take your mom and daddy to lunch, okay? My pastor. I need another volunteer. Oh. LJ, come on. believe that I have another $20 in my pocket? You do. Man, it's a man of faith and power right here. He believes I've got another $20 in my pocket. Would, what would you have to do if, if you wanted to receive that $20 that you believe is in my pocket? You don't know. If I was going to give you $20... What would you have to do in order to receive it? There's something that's stuck. That's right. Listen to your daddy. <laughs> You'd have to hold out the hand, right? Right? And if you held out the hand, what would you expect to happen? You would expect me to put $20 in it. Let's put it to the test. You came up here, man of faith. I'm just trying to see how big it is. <laughs> and when you hold out your hand, $20 right there. Take that and buy your mama something nice for Christmas. Let's give our volunteers a hand. See, what happens is when, when we extend to receive the blessing... First and foremost, we, we activate 
other people's faith around us. See, Vanessa was very sweet to just come up here because I asked her to and because she respects me as her pastor. But then when I asked for another volunteer, you saw there were hands. Oh, (laughs) faith was activated because they saw the blessing that she got and they wanted that blessing for themselves. That's what happens is that it takes somebody willing to go first and to walk in faithful obedience. And when we will do that, that becomes contagious to the world around us because they see how God is working in our lives and they want God to work in their life in the same capacity. So when we choose to no longer hold back the thing that we've been hiding and instead we hold it out, what it does is it gives people permission and it encourages them to hold out their issue as well. And then not only does God bring healing to us and and we we experience that healing in our life, it it, it pours out, it, it spills over into their life as well because we took the chance to move in faithful obedience. See, first... As we've illustrated, we we have to expose the issue. We have to get it out into the open. And then just like my friends just illustrated, not only do we expose it, but we, we have to extend that issue. The man didn't get healed until he reached out, until he stretched, until he put himself in a position for his issue to be fully on display. That's when the Lord moved. That's when God showed up. That's when the transformation took place. 1 Peter 5.17 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. The word for worries there literally means anxiety. And anxiety is distress or uneasiness of mind caused by fear of danger or misfortune. It's it's that thing that you've been hiding that you're scared to death someone might find out about. That that if if you put yourself out in the open that there's going to be danger, there's going to be misfortune, that that people are going to look at you differently, they're going to think of you differently, they're going to say things about you. That thing is what you need to hand over to God to allow him to deal with it. Whatever it is that you've been hiding, that that insecurity that you've been wrestling with that tries to keep you from getting out of bed every day, that secret sin, that struggle, that addiction, that unhealthy mindset, whatever it is, and it's, it's unique to every person. That's the thing that we've got to put out there and allow God to work on. We can't just pretend any longer that it doesn't exist. We can't just continue to to stuff it and and squash it down and, and hope that it's going to go away. Because as long as we leave it in the dark, it's going to continue to grow and fester and multiply and get uglier and worse, as soon as we get it out in the open, it no longer has control over us. And whatever we will extend, whatever we'll hold out, God will heal. 
That's the big idea of, of, of this passage this morning. The message of hope that, that I came to share with somebody today is, is that when it, when it comes to stretching ourselves, that if we will simply stretch in that area of, of infirmity and issue, that whatever we're willing to hold out, God is willing to heal. And that in that moment where we make that choice, God's going to change the narrative. See, the, the man left the synagogue that day changed. He was no longer the man with the deformed hand. He was just the artist formerly known as the man with the deformed hand. His issue was no longer how he was identified. And now watch this. Now, going forward, when the people talked about him, it was impossible to do so without also talking about the work that Jesus had done in his life. Hey, you remember Bob? Oh, you mean the guy that used to have the messed up hand until Jesus miraculously healed him? Yeah, that guy? It was impossible. He became a walking billboard, a walking testimony for God's grace and love and favor. Because our greatest area of weakness is God's greatest opportunity to do a work. Our greatest area of weakness is God's greatest opportunity to do a work that no matter how big or how heavy or how messy things are, God can handle it. You and I, we can be healed today. We can walk in freedom today over that thing that we've been holding back. But in order for us to do that, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to extend it. We're going to have to expose it to the light. We're going to have to put it out there and, and, and give it to God so that he can do what he wants to with it. You need to know your, your identity. Don't believe the lie. Your identity is not found in your issue or your infirmity. Your identity is found in the God who heals. And he's wanting to give you a new narrative and a new voice today. That you can say, that's not who I am anymore. That may be who I used to be, but it's not who I have to be. And it's not who I'm gonna be because of the work that I've allowed Jesus to do in my life. So what is it that, what is it that you've been holding back that you need to hold out to let God transform? Where's that area in your life that you need to stretch today? Maybe it's in an area of struggle, sin, addiction, Maybe it's towards some unhealthy tendency. Maybe it's, it's just an, a negative mindset that you've allowed to creep in. Maybe it's an area of insecurity that is holding you back from fulfilling the calling that God has placed on your life. Maybe it's just an area somewhere that there's a lack of faith and that despite knowing what the scriptures say, you, haven't really been able or willing to step out and trust God for what he has for you. Changing the narrative 
is all about making a decision that today I'm done listening to the lies. Today I'm through perpetuating those lies with my own voice. And today I will no longer be identified by my issue. Instead, I'm going to choose to find my identity in Christ who died on the cross so that those issues could be overcome. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.